Well, Paul, thanks for joining me on this special bonus episode of the Reactivity Podcast. It's great to be with you, as usual. Uh, So a while back, we invited listeners to submit their questions for you related to how Christians should think about social media and and how it impacts us and how we use it. Uh, And we received lots of different questions from people in the U.S., but also from around the world. Uh, But one of the common threads in the questions that I saw is just the general unease with the effect that social media is having on us and has had on us over the last decade or so. And so before we jump into the questions themselves, can you resonate with that general sense of unease that maybe many Christians feel about social media today? It's very hard to argue that social media has a positive has had a positive effect on culture, and particularly in Christian culture. There's something about the depersonalization of our communication that has had a tremendous negative effect on us and has created a comfortability with things that we should not be comfortable with, has created a tribalism that we shouldn't be comfortable with, a love of controversy that we should not be comfortable with. And, and so I share that, that concern. I, uh, recently, I just got rid of Instagram because it was a rabbit hole for me. And I don't want to be in, controlled by something that is meant to be a tool. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, just think about it. I, I'll give you a ridiculous picture. If your hammer controlled you and you're building a house, you would be very afraid and you would run and you would never ever use that hammer again. But that's exactly what's happened. This, this thing that was meant to be this wonderful communicative, communication tool has changed us and is controlling us. And that's not a good thing. Mm, yeah. Such a good picture, that hammer. It's such an absurd idea that a hammer would be in control of us. But that is so true of social media. Yep. All right. So let's dig into the actual questions that we received first one from a listener in South Carolina. They write, for all of its benefits, it seems like one of social media's biggest dangers is that it can actually work against true community and relationship. Do you agree with that? And if so, what can we do to make sure social media doesn't have that effect on us? Well, I think that's absolutely true. I I think that it has become a full, a fake replacement, true community. We are a Starbucks. There were five young people sitting in a row. They were all on their phones. They were reacting to one another through the phone, although they were sitting next to one another. That's craziness. And they weren't actually enjoying the community they could have enjoyed if they just put their phones away and looked at one another's face and had normal conversations. So if you're on social media, you have to say to yourself every day, this is not community. This is not community. This is not community. This is not community. And you have to be careful to pursue true, meaningful, face-to-face, real human community. Because this is not community. It's, it's some weird alien thing, but it's not community. The people that mm. friend you are not your friends. Uh, they're just not. They, they, if you take true friendship, most of the people that we would think are our digital friends do not rise to the level of what a true friendship would be. So yes, I, I agree with that. And we can't allow ourselves to think 
that this is actually community. So the problem, uh, if I were to summarize what you're saying, the problem isn't necessarily the the relatively thin relationships, if we can call it that, that we have on social media. The problem comes that we sometimes confuse those for real community, real friendship, when really it's it's not that, it's something different. So let me give an example. The, the person that I'm talk I'm interacting with on social media, they don't know what my day's been like. They don't know the struggle of my family. They don't know my hopes and dreams and joys. They haven't confronted me in places where I need to be confronted in the right personal way. They don't love me with that faithful love. I have friends who do that, but these people don't. So another question from kind of related to this from a listener in Australia I'm off social media as it often leads me to waste time and heightens my anxiety, preventing me from giving my best as a homeschool mom and wife. My question is, how do we stay connected with others without sacrificing our own boundaries when nearly all groups that I've come across, whether homeschool or churches or community groups or sporting groups, all of them require involvement with social media to stay connected with the group? So I, 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 there's two parts to this question. The first answer would be, if social media has been dominating your life in a harmful way, it's harming true community, get off. Some of us just need to separate ourselves because we've lost control of social media. It's just like you would flee any area of, of sin. My mantra is good things become bad things when they become controlling things because I'm only meant to be controlled by King Christ. Second thing, understand that there's a difference between the necessary logistical communication that social media makes easy and letting that replace community. So be comfortable that we can have great contact with one another, easy, instantaneous. Uh, we can get details to massive amounts of people quickly. That's a wonderful benefit that saves a lot of time. That's different than allowing that kind of communication to replace to true community. So use social media, use digital technology for the efficiency of communication it provides for us in areas where we don't really need community. We just need details getting out there and make sure that that doesn't replace true community. All right, another question from a listener in Vancouver. What advice would you offer to parents when it comes to teaching our children how to use digital technologies, digital media in a biblical way. And in particular, they ask, how can we protect their minds from the negative effects of social media? Well, I, I think, first of all, age is a big deal. I don't think nine, 10 year olds have any ability whatsoever to have the maturity of wisdom to make choices that they're going to have to make if they have technology where everything is available to them. That just, it's just craziness to me. Uh, when I see a child of that age walking down the street with a phone, my heart sinks because I know what they're exposed to and I know they just do not have the wisdom to make wise choices. So delay. I just talked to a family where kids are, are in different schools or involved in after-school activities. And so they've got their children dumb phones. And basically all they can do is make phone calls. And that's using technology wisely, but they know their children are not ready for the onslaught of what's going to happen. Uh, second, I would say if your child is beyond that level, 
you need to restrict access to your child. A child should not be able to just look at anything. And just, just as you would, you would do protect your child from any other thing in life. You have to be in charge. You have to set the protective boundaries for your child. There are studies out already of the negative emotional, psychological, spiritual effect on teenagers who live on Instagram, TikTok, and those kinds of social media platforms. So I, I would say this, if you really love your children, you have to be willing to be an unpopular parent. You just have to be willing to make choices that your kids will not at that stage understand and be thankful for and know that you're doing what's right and what's good and what's loving for them. What about advice for the parent who maybe they have a 10-year-old and they already have given their, their kid a smartphone? So they already kind of made that decision and maybe now they look back and they kind of regret that, but it's sort of the cat's out of the bag. What can they do at this point? Well, I don't think it's, I don't think you're ever locked in. I mean, if, if I came, if I became aware that my 10-year-old was using the phone in ways or a iPad in ways that were emotionally and spiritually destructive, it would not, I would either take that phone away and just confess mom and dad made a bad choice and we're so sorry, or I'd restrict the use of it uh, so that they could not access those sites. Don't feel locked in. You're never locked in. And don't let your child guilt you into thinking you're locked in. We are losing generations of young people to these media. And listen, these companies don't love your children. These companies don't guide your children. These companies don't protect your children. These companies don't discipline your children. That's our job. And we've got to rise up and do our job and not let the companies parent our children. Speak to the maybe the teenager listening or the young person listening who wonders, why is this such a big deal? Uh, why can't I use the apps I want to use, communicate in the ways I want to communicate? Uh, why are you being such a killjoy, mom or dad or Paul Tripp? What would you say to him? Or well, her? Let's, let's frame that question in a bigger way. Why would my parents ever protect me from anything in the world? Well, the answer is because there's danger out there and these people love you. Not everything is without danger. Not everything is good. Not everything has a good effect on you. And so you were giving, you were given loving guides and protectors so that you would not be exposed to unnecessary dangers that would harm you. That's what a loving parent should do. And the dangers of these popular of this these popular forms of media are well documented. All right, another question from a listener in Uganda. Is it possible to use social media as a platform for extending the gospel? Absolutely. Welcome to the story of my life. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I unpack I, that for us. Well, I realized I was very early on Twitter because I realized, for example, that Twitter was a, a phenomenal tool. Now, my messy way of saying this is you can, a tool is a tool. You can do whatever you want with the tool. 
You can build something wonderful with a screwdriver. You can stab somebody in the chest with it. And so I decided I wanted to use this for good. I just got an email of just responses to people for what I do on social media. Literally, Matt, they brought me to tears of just the good that's being done because I'm faithfully just punching out the gospel every day. We do multiple postings every day of nothing but the gospel. That's all I ever post. Probably we reach 500,000 people a day. Last year, 100, over 100 million visits to our social media sites. Well, praise God for that. And that's happening with me getting out of my, having to get out of my chair and around the world. And so, yes, it can be used for good, but you have to understand that a tool can be used for harm too. And so I decided in the beginning, I would only ever post the gospel. And sometimes that's hard to resist. There are conversations I'd like to get into, but I'm not going to do it. I, I, I want this to be a tool for good. So maybe a question kind of coming at this same issue from the other direction. Uh, a listener in Colombia asks, would you say that participation on social media platforms is necessary for reaching our culture with the gospel? In other words, would you ever consider abstaining from social media altogether for maybe all the reasons we've discussed already? Would that be tantamount to being unfaithful to our call to evangelize the world? Well, again, let me frame this larger. Would I argue in a church service that a microphone is necessary for disseminating the gospel? No. But if that microphone can help me reach people in the back row, give me a mic. That's what I think about social media. If Is it mandatory? No, it's not. But if Paul Tripp can impact a couple in Poland with the gospel on a Tuesday, without leaving his house, why wouldn't I want to do that? So no, you can't say that this is absolutely essential. But the ease with which it's enabled us to, to shrink the world and get beyond boundaries is really a pretty wonderful thing. Hmm. Yeah, I'm struck by this. This comes back to what you said earlier about viewing social media as a tool and if we keep it in our mind as a tool for a different end, it's not an end in itself. It helps us to use it appropriately. Yep. All right. Another question, kind of getting a little bit more maybe narrow into a specific case study, a question from a listener in Arkansas. How should we as believers rightly respond to those who attack our faith online? I can't count how many times I've been attacked from my faith online, and I don't always know how to respond with grace and kindness. Well, well, here's where th this is a, a wisdom issue. Is it just attack by a person who has no desire whatsoever to communicate with you, doesn't want to hear, doesn't listen, doesn't respect? You're wasting your time talking to that person because they're just searching for Christians to shoot. That's what they're doing. I get that all the time. If it's somebody who you can tell by what they said or asked, that is seeking a conversation, then that may be a wise choice. And you may, you may be used of God to, to bring changes in that person's life. So you, you have to make the, the difference. Now, why would you try to have a conversation with a person who's just an attacker? Because you just think too much of yourself and you don't like to be attacked. And so you want to rise to your defense. And we shouldn't be doing that. 
I mean, Jesus said when he was threatened, he didn't threaten return, but he committed himself to his heavenly father that judges all things justly. If God can't defend my reputation, no one can. I'm just not, I'm just not going to waste my time defending myself all the time because my message is not about me. It's about my Lord. And, and if, if you have serious questions about my Lord, I'd really love to engage that. If you're just shooting Christians on social media, like they're ducks in a barrel, then I'd, I don't need to defend myself. Another question from someone in Australia that kind of gets at this similar thing. And maybe this is one that is relevant for pastors and, and church leaders more generally. As a pastor, how can I use our church social media platforms to glorify God and help believers do the same rather than becoming another loud noise or a clanging gong on social media? Well, let me give the example of the pandemic. There were two forms of pastors during the pandemic. Pastors who all of a sudden they're not able to meet regularly and they, their normal means of communication, they just didn't know what to do. And pastors who thought social media is a way for me to pastor my people through something very difficult. I jumped in and did five minute little postings. I did multiple of those, helping people to understand how to work their ways through this kind of global trial from the vantage point of the gospel. You could have, one of the things we do as a ministry, we have a Wednesday's word. That's just a thing that we shoot out that can encourage people one time a week with the gospel. You could have a pastor's moment, for example, on social media that people know is going to come out a certain day of the week. There's, there's all kinds of things that you can do to encourage people. What you, you don't want to do is pastor people digitally. One of the beauty of pastoral ministry is that you're a living, breathing, real human being, and you are with people. And when you get up to speak, they love you and you love them. And that's a beautiful thing. You can't do that digitally. So you don't, you don't want to let that replace the sweetness of pastoral love and that kind of community. But there are things you can do that can regularly encourage people through these platforms. All right. Another listener from Florida asks, what advice would you offer to the Christian who's struggling with some kind of addiction to social media or their cell phone more generally? What should they do? Well, the first thing I always say with anybody struggling with addiction, get help. Because addiction will always lie to you. Addiction is, is a liar. And the more you're addicted, the more tempted you are to believe those lies. I think breaking addiction is almost always the product of community. Get help. Second, be radical. Uh, Jesus said, if your hand offend you, cut it off. Uh, look, that's what I did with, with Instagram. I loved Instagram, but I didn't love what it was doing in terms of my time. And so I had to be radical and I just got rid of it. And so be willing to be radical. Listen, it takes the protection of your heart for the world to pass by, let the world pass by. So maybe a follow-up question to that, and, and maybe even taking the example of Instagram for you as an illustration, is there a point where someone maybe feels like, hey, I've gotten this under control, and now I can start to introduce this again, 
and I can do it in a more healthy, balanced way. Is that ever a possibility for someone struggling with addiction? And if so, how do they know when that might be an option for them? Sure, because I believe in the transforming power of grace. But you have to be careful that that is not just not the addiction lying to you and edging you back into a place where you're you're hooked once again. And the question that I would ask again and again is, why is this so important to you? If you weigh the damage this has done to you versus the value, the actual value this had, I mean, to me, it's just very, very clear. And mm. just in every, every other area of addiction, if it takes radical cleavage to set me free, then that's a small price to pay for a heart and soul that's free. All right, a final question from a listener in Seattle, Washington. Uh, Recently, I've been contemplating the pros and cons of being involved on social media, and multiple times I've had 1 Thessalonians 4.11 come to my mind, where Paul encourages believers to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands. How should that verse and other teachings like that in the Bible fit with how we view our engagement on social media? Well, they right away tell us that this this should not be a dominant force in our lives. They do take you away from quiet, a quiet life, simple graces, simple blessings, simple community, simple tasks. Life is, is designed by God to be mundane. And I think that we have gotten so we don't like the mundane. I, many, many years ago, C.S. Lewis said that politics had become too important in England. And he said, politics shouldn't be important to you at all. You should never identify yourself politically. That should not be your identity. Politics is just a way of putting government officials in place. We do that during that season, then we walk away. And we've seen how we are divided into all kinds of political tribes. It's social media that does that. And, and so uh, we can't let this thing, these things become more dominant than they should ever be for us. Again, I'm going to go back. Keep a tool as a tool. If you had a guy who carried a set of screwdrivers with him everywhere he went, always checking to make sure his screwdrivers were okay, after a while you'd think, this man has gone crazy. <laughs> because that screwdriver has some great purpose but you only get it out when you need it. That's what we should do with social media. Follow things that are beautiful. Follow things that are true. Follow things that are worthy. Follow things that build your heart and soul. Follow things that confront you and make you think. Follow good things and then put them away. Rather than, I can't go to bed without looking at my phone. I can't get up in the morning without looking at my phone. I can't be in an elevator without looking at my phone. I can't be at a stoplight without looking at my phone. That's a sign of craziness. And we can do better. Well, Paul, thanks for taking us on this journey as we've explored this reactive culture that we live in and how social media has so often fueled that, but then offering us a real hope for change, hope for something better, ultimately founded in the gospel. We appreciate it. Thank you.